This is Supreme Court case number two, U.S. v. Lopez, 1995. The story of this case starts off with Alfonso Lopez, a senior in high school in San Antonio, Texas, knowingly brings a gun onto school grounds. The issue with him bringing the gun onto school grounds is that the gun-free school zone that in 1990 was passed by Congress, which made it illegal to not only bring a gun into school grounds. So naturally, Mr. Lopez was arrested and he challenged that the law was unconstitutional as it is beyond the power of Congress to legislate control over our public schools. However, the, cir the circuit court claimed a constitutional exercise of Congress and the business of elementary, middle, and high school affects interstate commerce, so therefore it was valid and he was found guilty. He later fought to appeal the decision as he thought, again, that this law didn't fall under interstate commerce and therefore was an overstep of Congress power. But when he appealed it, the appeal court actually agreed with him and stated that it was somewhat of a slippery slope as to if this actually falls under interstate commerce and therefore they took it to the Supreme Court to finally decide whether or not if this was legal for Congress to do. Now, the question that the Supreme Court asked Congress was, does the Commerce Clause enable Congress to prohibit gun ownership near schools? The power of commerce slash the Commerce, commerce Clause breaks into three parts. The channels of interstate commerce, the instrumentalities of interstate commerce, and the activities that substantially affect interstate commerce. Congress has claimed that the Gun-Free School Zone Act of 1990 falls under the third power of the Commerce Clause, which activities that essentially affect interstate commerce. Congress argued that violent crimes affect the people's interest in visiting or staying in an area because they feel that it might be unsafe. They also argued that guns in school threaten the learning environment which could lead to less educated future workforce. The Supreme Court rejected Congress' claims and ruled the act unconstitutional as it was turning Congress' enumerated limited power into a police power. The act itself also didn't include anything about commerce and therefore didn't have any clear jurisdiction over the claims of commerce or interstate commerce. Some Supreme Court justice provided reasoning for the ruling. Justice Kennedy ruling in favor of the, of the act being unconstitutional stated that traditional education and gun control laws usually fell under state jurisdiction and this would be taken power away from them. Justice Thomas, again ruling in favor of, the of it being unconstitutional, stated that the successional effect test, which was the third claim of the Commerce Clause, was just too broad and therefore Congress was an overstep in their power. However, Justice Stevens, which dissented from the ruling, stating that education would affect interstate commerce because it was the future of commerce within the state and between other states. Now, the overarching reasoning as to why this case is very important is because this is the first time in over half the century that the Supreme Court ruled slash limited the power of Congress under interstate commerce.
a similar case popped up 10 years later called the United States versus Morrison. In this case, a student claimed that two football players allegedly raped her. The college just suspended the two players and she rightfully thought that wasn't enough punishment and tried to sue for more damages. She tried to do this under the Violence Against Women Act of 1994, which stated victims of general event violence may sue the perpetrators of the violence for damages in federal court. This was great because state courts were too limited in avenues in which victims can sue for general event violence. However, once it reached the Supreme Court, it failed because it was not protected under interstate commerce under the same reason that U.S. v. Lopez case was not protected by interstate commerce because it did not provide successful enough evidence that violence, during discriminated violence, affected interstate commerce enough. And also, it fell under the 14th Amendment Act because even though it was fine for equal protection, equal protection was not being protected from state power or federal power, but instead they were trying to fight for protection from individual, like private individuals. And because of that, it didn't fall in the 14th Amendment jurisdiction, and therefore it was ruled unconstitutional. And really, the similarity between these two cases, and the again, the overarching reasoning behind this, is that it further cemented the limitations on Congress' power under interstate commerce clause and future laws that could be passed under the claims that falls under commerce. The foundational document that most relates to my case is Federalist Paper 51. The reason it most relates to U.S. v. Lopez is because Federalist 51 talks about the balance of power and how each branch is supposed to check each other, creating checks and balance system. In this case, in both cases actually, it is clearly the judicial branch checking the power of Congress, the legislative branch, and making sure they are not overstepping their, their jurisdiction slash power. Now, the current event slash scenario that connects to U.S. v. Lopez is the issue of Sanctuary City. City, sanctuary cities are cities that may, if they do arrest an illegal immigrant, they can check to see if they're a legal immigrant. And when they check through the federal database and say, hey, this person is an illegal immigrant, they don't have to hold the person for an extra 48 hours until ICE can come and pick them up and deport them. Now, the connection between U.S. v. Lopez and the issue of sanctuary cities is the interpretation of the Constitution. Because the, the Constitution states under Commerce Clause, Congress can do, it's a very broad term as to what they can do, and because of that, they passed the Gun-Free School Zone Act of 1990. But the Supreme Court ruled that was overstep of their power and therefore deemed the law unconstitutional. In the Sanctuary City case, the Tenth Amendment states that states do not have to enforce federal law, which meant in this case that state police don't have to hold illegal immigrants for the extra time for us to show up and begin the deportation process. 
The connection of the interpretation of the Constitution is that both are trying to limit as to how broad the definition of the Constitution can be. Since in the U.S. v. Lopez case, it limits the power of Congress or the Commerce Clause under the definition in the Constitution. In the Sanctuary City case, they are limiting, they are using a strict interpretation of the Constitution, more of the Tenth Amendment, saying how they do not have to enforce federal law, and they are using it to their advantage. Alright, thank you for listening to episode 2 of the AP U.S. Government Supreme Court case, U.S. v. Lopez. The next episode is episode 3.